Good afternoon, everybody. Hello, how's everybody doing today? Good, good. I'm up here on Facebook Live today. Um, just wanted to catch people on video, testing a couple things uh, on the technical side with audio. Um, and it seems like it's working, so we're just going to make sure it does. Um, but for those of you who are listening on the audio uh, our podcasts on uh, any of the platforms that we're publishing on. Um, thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in. Today, oh, uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm John. My name's John Feldhouse, and I am uh, the host of this segment of Verity Talk Epic Gnosis. Um, and so, again, want to thank you all for tuning in today. Today, I'm going to do a little bit of a, just a study, uh, just going to talk a little bit about uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day is coming up on the 16th of January, as it does every year on that Monday, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about him because um, I just like some of the things, you know, that he stood for, and um, it, it's a good tidbit of American history, more recent than some things that I usually talk about, but uh, I just want to talk about a few things that he discussed, some of his history, some of the things I glean from uh, his life and his pursuit of social justice and, um, of course, you know, the inspiration he's been to America at large. Um, and, you know, I'll go over some things. There's been, I think, he's he's come under some heat lately, and uh, I'll just say right off the bat, I did a little bit of studying of my own on uh, things that he believed theologically, um, things that he said in his writings, and I got to say there's things I don't agree with, um, some big things, but uh, I was encouraged, and I've always been encouraged and always liked the, the last speech he gave, uh, the mountaintop speech, because of it just kind of encouraged, it, it was almost prophetic, and, and of course it'll say, uh, and I won't... Uh, if you don't know a lot about Martin Luther King Jr., I won't give it away right uh, right at the very beginning but here, here, but it was kind of prophetic um, about his own life and about things that would happen. But um, it kind of encouraged me to believe that he just had some things, you know, I think there was, I believe there was some certain changes of heart that happened with him. But he was an overall amazing person in history. So um, we'll talk about that here in the next couple minutes. And so Martin Luther King Jr., I just want to go over, you know, some of his history. Um, of course, Martin Luther King Jr., if you're not aware of who he is, he um, he was somebody who basically probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest name in the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s, uh, a Baptist preacher from, from the South in, um, where was it? it? It was, I believe he was from Alabama. And, um, you know, he's, he's very popular for his nonviolent demonstrations of, um, civil, of social justice movement, um, of protest. Um, he was somebody that people looked up to for, you know, uh, he was somebody who was fighting for the rights of African Americans in our nation, especially in the South. But there were some things going on in the North too. He, he had to do some fighting in Chicago. Uh, I read on some of that. Um, Martin Luther King Jr., um, he actually, I, just a little kind of minor thing, but he actually wasn't born Martin Luther King. He was born Michael King Jr., and, um, his father was a Baptist preacher as well, and, uh, he, uh, he was born, uh, so he was actually a junior after his dad. Well, then his dad took a trip to Germany, and, um, and I've talked, I think I talked a little bit about Martin Luther on here. And Martin Luther, of course, was the, the you know, he did the, the move for the Reformation in the uh, late Renaissance period. And he was one of the founders of the, the start of the Reformation period in Europe. And um, he basically, uh, long story short, um, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, who was at this point Michael King, um, he he got renamed by his dad and actually his dad took on a different name too. He named himself after Mike, Martin Luther. So he, he changed his name to Martin Luther 
King Jr. Um, and and then and hence he renamed his son, kept him a, kept him as a junior. Um, but he uh, the meeting that he went to for um, just uh, the the faith and all the stuff that he was learning in Germany just inspired him so much for the movement that he inspired. He changed his name. So I thought that was interesting about him. Um, Martin Luther King Jr., of course, he was somebody who he stood for uh, equality between uh, the white community and the black community. He's very famous for the speeches he's given, uh, the speech of his uh, when he marched on Washington with his um, uh, with his large group. Uh, he had a lot of support um, from people. Thankfully, he had the help of um, President John F. Kennedy um, coming and uh, marching on Washington peacefully. And uh, having the big, he had the big I Have a Dream speech, one of the biggest speeches he gave ever, very iconic, and um, and it really inspired people to, um, to fight for that unity between all peoples in America. Um, and I believe it happened to be on the 100-year anniversary of Abraham Lincoln signing the Emancipation emancipation proclamation in 1863 which was in the middle of the civil war um 100 years after that we have our um that we had our martin luther king jr up on stage giving his i have a dream speech and was apparently actually not um it was a little bit off script somebody was somebody from the background said tell them about your dream and um I'm going to read it off a little bit because I do. I really liked he's he's one of the best orators that has come around in um, American history. Um, he says, I say to you today, my friends, even even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That's one of my favorite quotes right there. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racists, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right here in Alabama... Little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. Very powerful part of this speech. The whole speech was about, I'd say, I think it was 11 minutes long. Oh, 17 minute speech here, says on Wikipedia. But um, uh, that that one phrase it has always sat with me. Um, just, uh, I just love it. The one day i have a dream that one day i'll live in a nation where they will um that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character i, I just have always loved that because you know i've seen people you know get favoritism and not necessarily because of uh skin color or anything but really just because people do play favorites for whatever reason and um and it's not fair. I've you know I've seen that happen, and I've seen the results of it. it you get people in power who do not belong there. You get people getting uh, things that do not belong to them, and they squander. They squander riches. They squander their uh, their gifts and talents. They squander things that come to them, and they become entitled and they become uh, desirous of more and never satisfied because they're favored over others. Uh, unequally and unjustly um and i'd say there are people in power right now that you know they don't belong there but we're not uh we're not to dwell on that we're, we're to dwell here on not um 
not trying to start a revolution where things get violent and the mob breaks out and because um, we end up having anarchy then. No, we end up leading by example and talking to people about the content of their character. Now, in my humble opinion, the content of your character is not at all manageable and strong. The content of your character is not able to be strengthened and built up without the help and the power of God and the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. I'm a Christian, of course. If, you, if you're watching this, you're probably a Christian listening to this. And if you're not, welcome to the page. Uh, we hope to enlighten you on some things here. But, um, man, the content of that, the way he worded that was just like, it, it does not matter where you've come from, where you've been. Uh, it just matters the content of your character, the way you live your life out from your heart. That is where character comes from. It comes from your heart. It comes from who you really are as a person. Who you are is not your body. That's that's why that really resonates. It's not the color of your skin. It's not the heritage that you grew up with. It's not your ancestral line that makes you who you are. And it's not your it's not even your mind. Your mind is a tool that God has given you, that God has blessed you with, that you are um that you are stewarding over and you are using it to, well, you got to think for yourself. You got to be able to use your mind to do the things that God has placed in your heart. But who you really are is a spirit. And heart is another word for spirit. I believe it's kind of a combo of your spirit and soul, but your heart, your spirit is the real you. Your spirit is the one that is created in the same image or in the same way God is. It's created just just after God. You look at your spirit, and if we were able to look in the spirit realm and look at your spirit man, we'd be able to see, oh, that looks just like God. You look like your father. And um, But the thing is, Jesus addressed even that. That made me think of uh, Jesus addressing the people in Jerusalem um, when he was he was talking about this same thing, he was talking about who who their father was, who who the father of the Jewish people was. Now, of course, uh, Jesus talked about knowing who Abraham was, and everyone's a stir already. But he says, you know, if you if you did the works of your father, it, you'd accept me, you'd hear what I say, and you you'd like it, you'd want to do what I have to say. They said, well, our father is Abraham. No, no. Abraham wanted to see this day, and he wanted to see who I was. He would have recognized me, but you don't, because you're not of, because Abraham's not your father. And they're like, well, God's our father. I mean, Abraham is, but God is ultimately our father. And he was like, no, if you were, if God were your father, you would have loved me. You would have very, you would have even more readily received me and seen me for who I was. And yeah, no, God's not your father. And he was inferring, the devil's your father. And he he says it outright. No, you do the works of your father. You, He was murderous from the beginning. He lies from the beginning. He does not do righteously. He dwells in darkness. And you do the same things as your father. You're hateful. You, uh, you're untruthful. Uh, you cheat. You lie. You steal. You do all the things your father does. And you seek to kill me. Why do you seek to kill me? And they're like, we're not seeking to kill you. You're, you're insane. And, they're, and he's like, no, you're lying. But look, you're, you need a change. And he, the whole point was people needed a change of heart. Now, the, this is why I really like and um, I, I like to study after Martin Luther King Jr. Because he called for more of a change of the heart in people's lives. And definitely he was doing the most to pursue change in um, in the political sphere, the social sphere, and looking for, you know, he got the, he was able to get the Civil Rights Act passed, as well as some voting rights passed as well for, for all Americans, for uh, African Americans, for, uh, and uh, other groups. And uh, he was able to help with that. Um, but I think, I think in retrospect, um, that he might be able to look back and see that it isn't it isn't simply legislation that's going to change things 
legislations needed because you know there's a lot of unlawful men without a law without the without the law of God in their hearts and so they don't follow a law that is written on their hearts instead they're they're going to have to be kept in check by the law of the land and so they me um so he was pursuing the law of God he was pursuing the law to be changed in these different areas um but anyway so Martin Luther King had a big, uh, he had a big task in front of him. So, uh, so when whenever I hear of somebody criticizing somebody like him, while again I don't agree with everything that uh, he believed, I I most certainly agree with the heart behind the matter, and I most certainly agree wholeheartedly with equality for all. Like you, in especially in today's day and age you kind of have to be completely ignorant and hateful in your heart to not agree with that position um that that all people deserve you know the same rights the same equal god-given rights and you know none of those should be hindered um i think where we've gotten to um at this point in american history is some people are demanding more and more rights than really what belongs to them. Not that they belong to one group and not another, but they don't belong to anybody. There are some there are some laws that have been passed that don't they don't really belong to anybody. Um, and and some of the things that are a problem. Uh, and you know I'll just say it outright. I, I'm not. I do not agree with socialism, with socialist ideas, um, because in what I've studied and just what I've seen, you know, I mean, I'm I'm observant. I I I wouldn't call myself a scholar. I would not call. I I did not go to college, honestly, um, but I do have a uh, an active mind and a um, I like to study things out for myself. So in today's you know internet information age, that's very possible to do and not impossible to find out things for yourself. But um, one of the things I would say is that I've noticed socialism tends towards not a, well, it is a little bit more of a lazier uh, social structure. People are not willing to do as much work as you would think they'd be willing to do. Um, and that's not to say that people don't need help sometimes, that uh, that there's different social uh, programs and things that shouldn't be put in place. I believe, you know, the government can do things that it, it needs to do to be able to help people. But at the same time, the government is not the savior. The government's not the answer to all your problems. Um, and And I believe that some of the laws that have been passed have turned a lot of people into leeches off of the government. And, you know... Uh, a lot of th- a lot of tax movements that get paid that get passed. Um, taxes are not things that the government is paying for. Taxes are the things that the people are paying for because the, this government of America is a government by the people for the people, and so. Um, and not to get too ahead of myself here, but I believe people need a change of heart across the board in America. Um, we're we're seeing some of the problems that we have today because people have not had a change of heart or they've gone astray from the change that maybe their forefathers had of heart and then they turned away because you know people are enticed by their pleasures the bible says that people are enticed by um different passions and desires that they have and um it it, it turns people away from god it turns people away from a diligent productive society and social structure and social change does not do anything if hearts do not change social change means nothing if people are not willing to honor those changes and see to it that they become enforced and so martin luther king was definitely doing that but i think also when people are led astray and enticed by things like money fame um living comfortably and you know we all want things like living comfortably but even in the declaration of independence um that there's that phrase that we quote a lot um 
that God has given us these unalienable rights, things like um, the right to life, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It doesn't say life, liberty, and happiness. It doesn't say that because you cannot guarantee happiness to every man through government. You can guarantee the protection of life, the protection of liberties, and the protection of your right to pursue happiness because the government can't make you happy. Living comfortably can't even make you happy. How many times do you hear about rich people, you know, doing more and more stuff to their face, doing more drugs, get, you know, getting all of the pleasures that they want out of life and living it up, and yet they're not happy. You will never be happy in that kind of lifestyle. Just because you have the money doesn't mean, you know, there's that, you know, kind of um, that catchphrase that money can't make you happy. Well, it's true because money is not, money is not where everything comes from. Money is a way for us to trade and to barter. Money is a way for us to exchange goods and, you know, have a society that's, you know, structured and keeps people accountable. But money is not the money is not the thing that is going to make you happy. Um, but while I'm on that I'm on that rabbit trail, I'll just say this: money is not the root of evil. That's a misquotation of the Bible. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. It's a little different. It's just a little bit of a twist there that you got to make sure that you you know what the Bible says. You don't want to misquote that. Because the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. When people pursue money thinking that will make them happy, they will go astray. Now, God wants us to have money. That's not the argument that I'm going against. God does not want us to be poor and impoverished. That's not in his will. He died to make us rich. The Bible says that he was made poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. And no, that does not mean just uh, spiritual blessings, although that is definitely included and the most important. But it includes things like wealth. It includes things like having your needs met, like being able to be a blessing to others. How can you be a blessing to others when you're poor, when you have no money, when you live on the streets? You can do a very little, but you can't do a lot. How do you think Martin Luther King Jr. was able to do all that he did? He had money. He had people who were helping him. He had you know, people giving money to his cause, funding it. How do you think Paul, the apostle, got, you know, from how he was able to travel across all of the Roman Empire? You know, the um, the fare to get on a boat still cost a lot of money. He, You still had to pay to get on a ship. You still had to pay to your way. Food costs money. Living costs money. Everything costs money. So, anyway... Uh, all of that to say, money does not make you happy, but money is necessary, and money having money does not make you evil. Um, and it most certainly did not make uh, Brother Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, evil. So we're, we're just going to quell that one really quick, quell that doubt and argument. Um, but just to get back to the point, Martin Luther King Jr., was somebody who had good intentions and a good heart and uh, somebody who had, you know, an inspirational, uh, he, he was very inspirational in how he pursued the, the right, you know, pursued the, um, the enforcement of the rights of all men. And the way he pursued it was very inspiring because he was tireless in how he did these things. He, he really crossed, you know, he crossed, you know, racial lines. He crossed socioeconomic lines. He he crossed a lot of borders, a lot of segregating lines, not just racial, to, in order to bring unity across America and a, and to get people to galvanize behind this movement and force. Um, and also something that really inspires me about him is, you know, he really illustrated the point of how freedom is not free. Freedom, and I believe he said something like this. He said that, you know, uh, government is not as willing to give your freedom out to you. Your freedom must be demanded of the people who are withholding it from you. And that's the whole basis of the Revolutionary War. That was the whole basis of the Civil War. 
There were rights that were not being given to men. There were rights that were not being given to people uh, unjustly and very cruelly, especially in, well, of course, slavery. Very cruel, no doubt about that. But I want to go back to Revolutionary War terms. Uh, I've been watching a lot of this old TV, old uh, uh, kids show called Liberty's Kids. I watched it as a kid, and um, I've been binging it the past couple of days. I'm on like the 30th episode right now, so it was, it's been fun. Um, it's a cool show too, by the way. You better check. You you ought to check it out because like even the theme song was like really well done, and there's these big name uh, actors who ended up voicing different heroes in the Revolutionary War. Walter Cronkite is the voice of Benjamin Franklin. Sylvester Stallone was in an episode, and he voiced the voice of Paul Revere. Um, uh, Billy Crystal was the voice of John Adams, and you had a bunch of different others. It was really cool, so you should check it out. Um, basic cartoon, uh, but it wasn't cheesy at the same time. Like It was a really good one, and I can't stand cheesy cartoons, so... You take it from me. It was good. But uh, I was watching it because I wanted to catch up on my uh, Revolutionary War history. Um, and, but And some of this wasn't really in the show. But it just made me think of this, how uh, the uh, King George and, you know, British Parliament and the government that was um, over all the things that happened in the American colonies, they were abusive to the American colonies. And, of course, we think of all the things like tax, no taxation without representation. We think of how that was, you know, the big atrocity. Um, but they were doing a lot of other things, too. They were doing things like quartering, uh, where British soldiers could just at any time pop into your house and say, we're, we got to stay here. We're going to stay right here. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, they could just stay in your house, and you couldn't do anything about it. Um, and... But there were a lot of other things going on with quartering that were um, – I'd rather not talk about. But, like they were kind of inappropriate. They were very gross things that some of these guys did. Uh, soldiers, you can imagine some things that happened, and it, it was – that was atrocious. Um, another thing that was going on, uh, one of the big things that was happening was the British government – and the military were starting to crack down on their right to bear arms, or rather just their ability to bear arms. They were trying to make it impossible for them to have anything, any way in which they could fight back, fight the British back. Um, and so some of the episodes I caught on Liberty's Kids, like with Concord, the Battle of Concord and Lexington, um, those had to do with the British trying to seize gunpowder and muskets from uh, from the Americans from Massachusetts cities. Um, so the, the Americans were fighting for the right to be able to keep their arms, to be able to keep their weapons because without their weapons, there would be, uh, no resistance to what the British wanted to do in the, in the colonies. The British could pass any law. They could do any, they could execute any kind of judgment. They could at any whim that they had, they could execute it with no resistance. Um, so that is why, one, I'm a firm believer in having guns. I don't personally have one. I am contemplating at least getting a 22 rifle right now, but um, I have like an air gun <laughs> so uh, that my brother-in-law got me, and I really like it. It's fun, but I need I, – I think I need a gun. Yeah, It'd be fun at least. It's fun. I've gone shooting with friends. Uh, I had a friend who had a 50 caliber pistol like – I think it was a. I think that's a Desert Eagle, right? I I don't know if that's the correct, uh, if that's the exact gun, but it, it was like a, a six chamber, you know, revolver barrel, and that thing like had kickback. That thing was so much fun. Oh, and my friend tried to shoot it, and he just just whacked himself in the head. Oh, but and he was okay, it was fine, but it was hilarious. But anyway, so that that was another one of those things that the British were. Um, imposing on the American people and not uh, so if for the sake of the podcast they were not being treated equally with British subjects you would think well Americans are British subjects yeah but they were not being treated like uh equal equal British subjects they were being treated more like slaves they were being treated more like people who were not equal with the people across the sea in the island where everything was safe and hunky-dory for them 
Americans were getting treated poorly. So, yeah, it was time to rise up. It was try it was time to make a stand. It was time to fight for sure. Um because the British were the ones really starting the fight to begin with. Um they were the ones threatening their freedom. So, yeah, sometimes th things need to be fought for. Um Martin Luther King Jr., he was one again, uh he he stood for doing uh, nonviolent protests, and um, th this was definitely necessary for the cause in which he was uh, standing up for. Because, you know, having people accuse you of being violent and being, you know, a nuisance to society, you know, you definitely need to be able to say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not fighting you. I'm just trying to make my voice heard and um, show people that we have rights too. But we're not going to be a nuisance to society or a menace to society by, you know, shooting everything up to try and get our way. We're not throwing a temper tantrum here. We're we're here just making a statement, proving a point. So he didn't use guns. He didn't use he didn't really even use self-defense, which I'm like, I would have at least had some armed guards or something. But he didn't even do that. And because of that, he got arrested like I believe the number was 38 times. In his life and he only did he was only doing the civil rights um, uh, moves from like the early 50s into 1968 so actually that was a long time but still 38 times getting arrested that's crazy um, he uh, he did not quit that is definitely something that I admired from him and he was standing and fighting for liberty in his own way, in a way that didn't involve killing anyone else, and um, and but people had to listen. People had to hear what he had to say. He made his voice heard. Um, and so, getting back to Martin Luther King um, and just some of the speeches, and I, I know I kind of alluded to things I didn't agree with. Uh, that's one thing I didn't agree with. You know, I, I still believe in self defense. Self defense is important um, because there's one thing for it's one thing to be. Um, persecuted for your belief in Jesus. Um, Jesus talked about, you know, you know, don't, don't be trying to fight back when, when they're persecuting you for what you believe. So, because you don't want them to, um, have a reason to, what's the word? Um, you basically want to be above repute. You want to be above, um, that, you don't want people accusing you of fighting back and being like, oh, they hurt me. Put them in jail. No, they, it was like, no, they didn't fight me. And he, Jesus, this is where we get the turn the other cheek method, which is what Martin Luther King Jr. was using to uh, fight the injustice that was going on. But Jesus, it, like within a couple chapters, uh, I believe in Mark, um, the disciples asked him about having self-defense. And they were like, he was like, yeah, keep a sword. Um He's because, you know, there's robbers and there's people who are just after you to take advantage of you uh, for being weak or for being somebody who, you know, has money and defend yourself in those cases when you're on the road and you get, uh, you know, highway robbers, you know, fight them off. Keep a sword. OK, so self-defense is important in that regard. Um, and I believe the Americans were making that point and that statement when they resisted British rule. Um, so anyway, um, that was important. But so that was one thing I disagreed with, with Martin Luther King Jr. But the other thing I think was really important, uh, or not important, one of the things that I was like, I'm not so sure about that, was some of his beliefs about uh, the Bible. He was not a literalist, meaning there were some things in the Bible that he Okay, got a little disconnect there. Um, he still believed in God and in Jesus and in the Bible and its ability to teach men to be morally just and correct and to live on the high ground. Um, but there were some questionable things about what he believed about the Bible and Jesus. So, um, but in the name of uh, what we're talking about today, um, where everyone is created equal and having unity within a, a body, between brothers and sisters um we're not looking for points of contention we're not looking for points where it's like because that's part of what people try to do they try to look for things where um where we disagree 
and then in finding those disagreements they find reasons to disconnect and to say well was anything that martin luther king jr did valid at this point because he believed these different things these wrong things i in my opinion jesus is the son of god and not just my opinion i believe that it, it, and it's like um there's way too much evidence for that too so uh, but the point is, unity, it's so important to keep unity in the body of Christ, but unity is found in the Spirit of God. The unity is found in knowing Jesus, knowing his word, knowing that he is the Savior, and um, knowing that he's the one that calls us to unity, that calls us to come together and to not let anything separate us. Um, Jesus said that, that they'll know that we're Christians by our love. And when we're not displaying the love of God, then it's hard to stay in unity when we're not loving each other. Then people, well, one, people don't want to join, you know, people don't want to be a part of a dysfunctional family. So um, it, when you stay in love and you're loving your brothers and sisters, despite the things that they do, despite the things that you don't agree about, you um, you see that the love of God brings people closer together and ends up bringing people closer to the spirit. And when you're closer to God, you can hear him better. And then you can, uh, ooh, getting some revelation here, uh, hot off the press. You, when you hear God, hear his voice, and know what he says, then different theological disputes and debates that you all have been having in the, the church for centuries, all of a sudden just um, they, they, the questions get answered. And the debates become, you know, uh, just unimportant. It, it ends up being like, oh, well, that's what it is. Oh, okay. Wasn't a big deal. So, um, and, and then we end up focusing on the main things. We, we end up focusing on what the real problems are. And the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for pulling down strongholds. And that, that is spiritual strongholds because the Bible also says that um, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness, wicked hosts in the high places. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I believe the the movement with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was important, because it was like, this isn't a fight against people. And this isn't even a fight uh, against a government. This is a fight against an ideology, a thought process that has plagued America and American politics for a long time and it's been hard to overcome but we're going to overcome it with our love we're going to love people and we're going to make sure they know we're for them not against them we're not here to cause a riot we're here to cause people to see what's going on and to, and to come together and to find an answer to the problem um but this has all been leading up to something that's deeper it's deeper than the thick it's it's more than skin deep just to go along with that theme it's more than just black and white it's more than uh rich or poor it's more than man or woman it's more than um religious affiliation it, it's what god wants to see done this fight is for people to find true freedom from what really oppresses them what really keeps us at odds with one another what what really keeps us at this lower level from attaining more, from having the best life possible. The best life possible is not always found in getting more money. It's not always found in getting laws passed. It's not always found in getting what you want. Freedom is not the ability to just get what you want. Freedom is the ability to do what's right. Because... When you're not truly free, you can be, uh, you can have all these different things that are available to you. You just can't do that thing, or you just can't do this thing, or you just can't do these certain things that you actually need to do. Kind of like when you're getting strangled, you know, you, you need to breathe. You can move your arms any other, any which way you want to do. You can move your legs. You can move. You can move your body in all crazy sorts of ways. But you're not free from the stranglehold. You need to be able to get free from the stranglehold. And so 
we've been fighting different issues that have been plaguing us and strangling us, strangling the life out of us uh, uh, the wrong way. And, and some people don't even think there's a problem because, well, we're free to do these kinds of things. We're free to live the way we want to. We're free to sin. We're free to, you know, eat all the junk food we want. We're free to, you know, be rude to these people because, you know, we're, we, we just can. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. And, and just because you should doesn't mean it's, you know, it's going to work either. But what really is going to work is what's found, you know, I'm just going to come out and say it, that true freedom is found in Christ. True freedom from all these things that plague us is found in being born again, being filled with the Spirit, and being close to God, being in relationship with Him, being His friend, coming to Him and offering your life to Him as a sacrifice and saying, I don't know what to do with my life. I've done everything I know to do. I thought I was free, but I'm I'm still living in this stranglehold to sin. I'm still living in this stranglehold to my situation and circumstances. I'm still in this stranglehold. I'm struggling with these sicknesses all the time. God, you're my only help. You're my only hope. You're the only source of freedom. There, you're the only one that knows how to make me truly free. And so this fight for freedom on all fronts is fought primarily, first and foremost, in the Spirit. And we cannot be fighting each other about these things either. And the, I notice a lot of people attacking Martin Luther King Jr.'s theology, where a lot of these people that also are coming after, you know, big-name preachers who, again, you know, a, a lot of things I don't agree with uh, their theologies either. I'm not going to name names either because we're not trying to start fights. Um, but freedom found in Christ does not come with us fighting one another. We don't fight one another for freedom. We fight the true enemy of our freedom together. We fight the devil. And we don't fight the devil by fighting one another. We fight the devil by finding ways to unify. Now, some people will not come together because a lot of people are not willing to come together in the spirit. A lot of people are not willing to come together, um, are not willing to come together according to the word. But until people find that true freedom is found in Christ, they're not going to be free. So that's all I have for that. Um, and the last speech that Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, spoke was right before his death. Two days afterwards, he was, uh, he was assassinated. Um, he has uh, the I've been to the mountaintop speech. Uh, that was, it was pretty inspiring. And everyone's cheering. Ah, but it was, it was a little bit prophetic. So I'm going to go over it really quick. I'm going to play it here for you. That's my favorite moment right there. Uh, I believe there was a change that happened um, in his thinking during that time. Unfortunately, um, it you know his life was cut short. But um, 
you know, and that's just like the devil to do, to cut short somebody's life who just found the truth about something and be like, ah, we got to attack that. Um, that's why it's so important to believe God for protection, right? But, um, and if you're not familiar with that, um, that's a biblical reference to Moses at the last moments of his life where he, uh, he had disobeyed God and, you know, he got angry with the, with the people and you know, he got frustrated and he didn't give the people the water from the rock the way God said to, even though the water came out of the rock miraculously, he did not do it the way God said to do it. So God was like, I can't let you in. You disobeyed like the others. So I'll let you see though. I will let you see the promised land to see that it truly is good what you're going into. And he goes and he sees it and um and it's everything he hoped for and but then he passes away um right on the mountain. And uh very very ironic um parallel there. Very, uh, very interesting that Martin Luther King says that, and then he passes away. So, um, but the mountaintop, yeah, he was, and then he says, my eyes have seen the coming, the glory of the coming of the Lord. I believe that was a little bit of a misquote. He, he meant to say, my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. And that, ironically enough, is also the, not ironically, there's another word for that, but uh, coincidentally, there's the word, uh, is the is a reference to the uh, the battle hymn of the Republic uh, from the Civil War. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Da, 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 da. Can't remember all the words, but um, and it says his truth is marching on, and I and that this is what I'll leave you with. Very lastly, in closing, my second closing. Uh, it is the glory of the coming of the Lord, or the coming of the glory of the Lord, whichever one it is. It's his glory that transforms us into his image. And we're tra- when we're transformed into his image, we walk in love, and we walk in unity with one another. The Bible says that if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, then you, um, you don't really love God. You're a liar. You got to love your brother. In order, to the lo- in order to love God. It's how we're known as Christians. We're known by our love. The power of God will accompany those who know their God, who walk in unity with their brother, and who do not relent in it, who do not let their love walk get interrupted by a moment of weakness or a moment of frustration or any, or any kind of betrayal or any kind of thing that someone else can do because the love of God always forgives. Jesus said to Peter when he asked him, how many times am I supposed to forgive my brother? Jesus says, 70 times 7 in a day. Four, that's 490 for you math, math folks. A day. We forgive. We are, a light, we, are, we are saints. We are people who forgive. We forgive those who have done us wrong. We stand up for what we believe in and for what's right but we also forgive and we don't get at each other's throats when when we mess up when we do the wrong thing we pray for those who are in leadership for us we pray for those who are on the front lines uh preaching the gospel whether they be big preacher people with thousands of people in their congregation or the the little churches with the pastor preaching to five people a sunday you pray for them. And that's the other thing where the power is at. The power is found in prayer. We pray for people in leadership. We pray for this nation. We don't say that this nation is going to hell in a handbasket because there's no faith in that. There's no faith in God in that. We pray for this nation. We pray for all the nations, but we, we lift up our own nation to God and we don't give up on it. And we, you know... Whether you believe that uh, America was destined for a, a very big purpose or not, you don't give up on your nation just because it, it does a lot of unjust things. You don't start looking for, you don't start packing your bags and running away at the first sight of danger, at the first sight of, oh, this place is terrible. We got to get out. 
you got to let God lead you as far as where to go and all that. But don't leave just because things get bad. You stay and you fight. You stay and you, you fight on your knees. And you stay in love. And you don't let things move you like politics, like like evil things being done in the school school districts, like people being mistreated, like people being uh, manipulative of the system and manipulating each other and trying to manipulate you. You stay in faith. You stay in love. You stay in his presence. You stay in his peace. You stay in prayer. That's the fight. So, I'm done. Thank you all for tuning in who tuned in on live. This video will stay on Facebook Live. Thanks for tuning in if you're listening on our podcasts, on Anchor, on Spotify, on uh, Apple Podcasts, and any other place you might get your podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to listen in to Do Tell Tomorrow, um, and also listen in to, um, I believe it's Verity Talk. Is it Sunday or Monday? Uh, Jordan's got a couple other podcasts next week, and we'll soon be having our table talk, our T2 mug hour in a couple of weeks. Don't miss out on that. That'll be fun. Um, bring your own mug to the camera, to the to your phone, to your laptop, to wherever you're watching or listening to podcasts and Sip away at your coffee or hot chocolate and listen and tune in with us. And we love to hear from you guys. Um, yeah, so I'll let you all go. You guys have a great day, great evening. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye.